that really affected me because I'm like, I cannot invest that much in a child and then just have them disappear. That woman had no right to take that child. <laughs> anyway, um, and so I pouted about it for a while. And finally, the teacher that taught with me, who was my mentor, said, okay, Melanie, are you done? Because guess what? You can't ever make teaching about you. Teaching is about what you can do for the children and what you did for that little boy changed his life. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband-in-Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself, and then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband, on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband-in-Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. All right. So we're going to, I'm, I'm super excited today because we have a special guest in our studio, which is also our office, Melanie Parrish Anderson. And she's actually my mom's cousin. Sister cousin. Uh, they call themselves <laughs> sister cousins. Um, and she just explained to Steve why they're called sister cousins. Basically, they just they're all sisters. It doesn't, it's, that's. doesn't matter who your mama is. It's from just. Another mother, <laughs> father, another mother, didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. You, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was all on the same street. You guys it's were Parish all. Parish Lane. All on the same street, Parish Lane. Cul-de-sac, four families and grandma. That's awesome. Seriously. It wasn't yeah. actually called Parish Lane. It's, it is it Parish is. Lane. It was still called it's Parish, Parish Lane. Lane. Parish Lane, yeah. Okay, wait, who named it that? It's named after the them. parishes. Well, they <laughs> so brought So you guys built, like. Yeah. Wow. We were built the homes, built the street. Mm -hmm. you if were you chubbing. go, if you go to that street, like Matt's grandpa designed mm -hmm. most of the houses on that street. Wow, yeah, How funny. They're super mid-century. It's very cool. And you said Chubbuck, so this is southeast Idaho near Pocatello. And they bought the parishes bought a great big plot of land when it was not. I mean, I think they were involved in naming it Chubbuck and. And then okay, so there, I, there, I have a qualm. <laughs> they picked the name. Chubbuck. No, I think. In fact, I believe they voted against that. Because who would pick the that. name Chubbuck? Seriously, <laughs> what does that mean? I yeah, know. but what about Pocatello? Yeah. Well, that's well, a that's Indian, Indian name, right? Indian name, is I Chubbuck guess. Yeah, yeah it's a native. Or a native no, American actually, name I looked that up I, I because at one time they were thinking about having a Miss Chubbuck. You know, in the Miss America pageant, they were trying to think of, let's do a Miss Chubbuck. <laughs> no girls wanted to be try even try out for Miss Chubbuck. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> anyway, Chubbuck. so yeah, Chubbuck no. And so, I, so I found out it was actually, so I did some research on it, and I found out it was actually named after a railroader. Weird. Yeah. Hmm. Like okay. we were surrounded by awesome Native American names, mm -hmm. and we went for- and They choose the railroad anyway. guy. Not that I don't love the railroad. My husband's right. a railroad. Big industry so, there. Yeah. yeah. It just is an interesting name. <laughs> All right. So we have in front of us a book that Melanie wrote. And tell us a little bit about your book, Melanie. Okay. My book is called Lessons Learned from the Starfish, A Teacher's Journey with Children of Poverty. I have taught for elementary school for 25 years. And the first year that I started... It was so hard that I thought, I am not going to be able to do this career. It was emotionally exhausting because these children were so 
they had such high needs. So your first you know? year of teaching, you were ready to quit. Uh, yes. Have, have you guys read the book? Yes. yes. Okay, the first story, the little yep. guy in the first story. I was like, nope, I'm going to go do something else. So give us a quick review of the first story. The first story was a little yeah, because boy. Melanie, I have not read the book. So oh, I, okay. So I we never gave in. it to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. I, I Thanks sent, for filling Sorry, in. Steve. Um, so I changed all the names of the children in the children in the book because they would probably be able to identify them. But so my very first year on Halloween, they mm. brought a little child to my class mm -hmm. who was five years old. And honest to goodness, I thought he had been raised by monkeys or by wolves in the jungles in Africa. He had Did you rename him Mowgli? Uh, <laughs> I really, <laughs> if you knew how much I really, really wanted to do that. He'd never met any other children. He'd never met a teacher, never held a pencil. Never. I wow. mean, he had no social skills at all. And he would hurt the other kids. And literally, he would scream. He was completely nonverbal. He would just scream things at us. And I honestly thought, well, it's Halloween. He's maybe had... In character. It, yes. He's going for the Mowgli wild child character. No, I was wrong. He came back on Monday. And so the story is he was homeless and they lived in refrigerator boxes behind Albertson. Wow. In Pocatello. And it's cold in October. <coughs> and... Our social services people were trying to get them into an apartment. In order to do that, he had to be in school. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And every day it was first, uh, how do I get him not to hurt the other children? And then, I mean, teaching him anything wasn't even, he had no, he didn't know the alphabet. He did, it was... And this it was 25 really, years ago. Mm -hmm. I would hope that today there would be some sort of additional resources available for someone in that state, it's but I don't getting, know. It's get, well, this was a homeless situation moved from another state. Okay. Do you know what I mean? There are, there are, you're right. Okay. That is better now. Anyway, and it just got harder. It was just so hard. And then finally, one day I said, well, another teacher said, you've got to get control back of your classroom. And, you know, and yeah. so I pulled in all my skills from... ISU and all the things I'd gone through and thought, okay, we're going to nurture this kid and we're going to, and so that's what we did. We, I worked and worked and worked with him and the other kids and I, we finally came up with a, every day he's going to have a buddy that's going to help him understand. And that really helped the kids bond with him. And things just got like, I remember when he learned to hold a pencil. <laughs> that was so great. And in the book, I tell a story about um, how shaving cream can go so wrong. Because yeah. I was trying to get him to form letters. letters. Oh, man. he it was We had shaving cream everywhere. Well, one of the other kids took his finger and helped him form the P that's in his name. In the shaving cream. In the shaving cream. Uh -huh. And I, something magical happened because he got it. Like it, and I was feeling so bad because I'm like, this should be such a good idea. And he finally ended up writing P A, and he actually wrote letters in there. And he goes, me, wow. <laughs> it's me. That sounds like a anyway, Helen Keller kind of moment. Seriously, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. When it just finally clicks. Finally click. Oh, it was the light bulb. That's my favorite thing about being a teacher is when the light bulb goes on. <laughs> like, ah, oh, I get it. Anyway, and then 
it was kind of, I had never thought about the Helen Keller reference, but then after that, he just like, learn, learn, learn. And he responded better to the other kids teaching him yeah. than he actually did to me. Because, interesting. yeah, it, I think there was some abuse going on. I, I, say, I met, wonder if that really ties back to his trust level with adults. Based exactly. On his, well, I met experience. the mom once and I was literally shaking. She scared me so much. Mm -hmm. She was, I mean, she was just, anyway. And so I totally get that because he came in one day and his, he was late and his mom like drop kicked him into the room and he was, it was awful. Anyway. So, and I go over a little bit more in the story, but the end, right before spring break, we had done a program and all of the kids' parents came to the program, but no one came for him. And so all the parents took the kids. And so it was just he and I for about the last 20 minutes of school. And one thing that really worked with him is the, all the kids would sit down and I would read books to him. And the whole first time... The whole first couple of months he was there, he'd just stand in the corner and bounce up and down. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But pretty soon he started listening, he started watching the other kids. Well, then he started getting closer and closer to me. And then I figured out if I would sit on the ground, he would sit next to me and hold my hand. And if he would hold my hand, then he'd listen to the story. But he had to hold my hand while I turned the pages of the book. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was like, we got very close. Anyway, and I had... I'd never touched him before that because he would freak out. Mm -hmm. But when I read to him. He would then calm down. He would, yeah. It's the only time that we could ever have touch, you know, touch. Anyway, and so then that day he crawled up next to me and he handed me a book and I read it to him. So then he just was the more, just the two of us. And then he turned around, he put his hands on my cheeks and he said, Wabu teacher. Wabu teacher, <laughs> like that. I mean, I think it was love you love teacher because yeah. he's so nonverbal, you uh, know, I wasn't sure. And then he went back to having me turn the pages oh. and read in the book. And I, I was just what a sweet experience. flabbergasted. It was, it was. Well, that was spring break. We came back from spring break and he had disappeared. We could not find him. No trace. I think, well, part of the thing was he didn't have a birth certificate. Oh. And so they'd been trying to find his birth certificate and find his story. And I'm not really sure what happened. But anyway, he oh. he disappeared and we could not find him. And I that really affected me because I'm like, I cannot invest that much yeah. in a child and then just have him disappear. That woman had no right to take that child. <laughs> anyway, um, and so I pouted about it for a while. And finally, the teacher that taught with me, who was my mentor, said, Okay, Melanie, are you done? Because guess what? You can't ever make teaching about you. Teaching is about what you can do for the children and what you did for that little boy changed his life. Yeah. Don't ever make it about you. Mm -hmm. And so then after that, when I got in that mindset of this isn't about me, <laughs> then it made the teaching. So the book is 40 stories of children that I have taught that have changed my life. <laughs> and some of them are funny. Yeah. <laughs> and some of them are crazy. And anyway, some of them will rip your heart out. <laughs> so yep. that's the. Yeah, we did a lot of crying and laughing. Because yeah. I read it to Matt, <laughs> like we out driving. loud when we were oh, driving. Good. 
cute. And Penny had her <laughs> headphones in in the back, and she's like, when we got done driving, she's like, you guys laughed a lot. <laughs> yeah, there was some crying, too. I don't think you noticed that. But, yeah. but I think what you said there is so key. When you can focus in on the child and realize it's not about you, that makes a huge difference. And I think that's something that, like you've brought up, makes our relationship mm-hmm. work and has helped us be able to focus in on our kids is this isn't about me. I need to, and even like a couple of weeks ago, I feel like we had to go through that with Matt's kids of, this isn't about me. Yep. I need to make this easier for them, even though it's not what I had hoped for or wanted. You have to take that into consideration, even though it's really hard sometimes. It is. But that's something I think we, Steve and I were able to establish from the beginning, which was nice, but. It's amazing. You guys still are something amazing. I'm working on in other situations. <laughs> Well, can I tell you one thing that's really interesting? I think it's really interesting. So when I started teaching 26 years ago, and I don't know why I noticed this, but I had seven kids in my kindergarten class who were from divorced homes. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I did that is because I thought, how many parent-teacher conferences do I need to do? Yeah. Yeah. And can they do, you know, so that's Can they come together or not? Exactly. Yeah. So So I noticed that. What were the percentages of parent-teacher conferences with split families? Where, oh my goodness! Where, where they came together? Where they came together? Uh, well, let me finish telling you okay. this, and then okay. I will answer that question. So that was twenty-six years ago. Yeah. Last year, which was my last year of teaching, this makes me sick. I know. <laughs> I did the exact same. Well, I did it every year. Yeah. But last year, I looked at all my things. How many parent-teacher conferences am, am I going to need to do? And I had seven kids last year that had their original, what you would call, nuclear mom and dad. Okay. So in my 25 year career, it completely reversed. Wow. Does out that of, make sense? Out of how many students? 25, you, you know, so 25. Okay. okay. So 25 seven of the 25 in, initially mm-hmm. and now and right. then ending seven. And how many so, years? 20, 25 years. 25 years. Mm-hmm. So the answer to your question is I will do, I wish, how do I answer this? Let's see. I will do as many parent teacher conferences as it takes we have a really hard time getting parents to come to parent-teacher conferences when families are split. Really? Yes. And what I found was... To get either parent to come? Really? Wow. Yeah. It's really... Why do you think that is? I think they're too busy. I think they're kind of into themselves. I wish I knew because, man, I'm telling you, parents that come to parent-teacher conferences send a huge message to their children. Do you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. then there's some... What is, that, I, what is that message? Education is important. Yeah. I care how you're doing. You know, I know that your teacher cares about how you're doing, and we're going to work together and help you be successful. I would guess there's got to be a message, too, of not just education is important, but you are important. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. We are taking the time to... Visit with the, your And find teacher. out how you are doing in school. Exactly. And how, <laughs> As opposed to just, eh, whatever, your teacher's got it, we don't care. Right. Oh, yes, exactly. And the thing that I love about it is parents will say, how can I help you educate my child? Mm. What yeah. can I do to help? So it's huge. So, But then I've had, like, I had a child two years ago that I did four parent-teacher conferences for. Why four? Because I did mom and dad separate. Yeah. And then dad had been married and then was now divorced. But stepmom had, she was the most invested of all the parent teacher conferences. Oh my gosh. And then I did one for the grandparents. Wow. 
because the child was now living with the grandparents. Anyway, what a mess! So yes, wow. Or and, likewise, incredible that all four, all four of those of parties. Came. That's are true. They all engaged. came. Yes. I mean, that's good, but it so would, crazy. It is crazy. Well, one of the things that I found after several years of giving parent-teacher conferences is I had to watch everything I said. Yeah. Because I noticed, especially parents that were going through these really tough divorces would say, well, Miss Melanie said that it's your fault that you don't read it, you know, which I never have ever said yeah. ever. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, Miss Melanie said you're not reading with them or Miss Melanie said, yeah. you know what I mean? And that would give them more, you know, they could attack Fire. each other. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, no. Well, I think things like that get manipulated so easily of you probably never said anything like mm -hmm. that, but that's what the parent wanted to hear. Exactly. They wanted to have that fuel. And I, yeah, I understand that, where that could come from. Which is why I'm here, because I have a couple of ideas that would just make life so much easier for the children if teachers can be their advocate. We want to hear them. Do you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, and I was talking to a lady last night who, um, she's a counselor and she's like, you got to realize, don't put more on the teacher. Teachers don't need any more. No. Uh-uh. So, and I'm very Which cognizant. Is true. It is so it is true. true. Oh my goodness. But I will tell you that the teachers that are successful, yeah. in my opinion, are the ones that take the time to build relationships with the kids. Yeah. You know, those light bulb moments. Mm -hmm. Every teacher I know, that is why they're there because the job is too hard. It is too to, hard. You know, but when you have a kid that actually understands, mm -hmm. oh, those numbers, you put them together and they have meaning and there's an, you know, answer. It's this great light bulb. You can see <laughs> it in their eyes. And oh, I love it. It's my most favorite thing. So parents that will build the relationship with their children, with the, the students that they have, their learners, if they know, okay, there's going to be a divorce, there's something, you know, something's yeah. happening. If parents will carefully to not blame one or the other, just help the teachers understand we're going, this is some stuff we're going through. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Don't want your, don't want you to take a side, but if you can advocate for my child, yeah, I'd really, you know, and the child knows, you know, this is, this is what I was talking about on this. Yeah, we should yeah, bring tell that us, up. Tell us what you brought here. <laughs> so teachers, and maybe we can post this on social yeah. media. Yeah, yes, for sure. So, and I think most people have heard about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So he was a, a psychologist, and this is for all people. Yeah. You know, but it's particularly powerful for children, in my opinion. Yeah. Now I teach the school that I that I taught at was eighty seven percent poverty level. So that means wow. eighty seven percent of the children in our school live below the poverty level. So I realize that that is different, a different demographic than a lot of people are dealing with. But I still think the problems are the same, maybe just bigger. Yeah. Which is why. Um, you know, and I, a couple years ago, there was an issue, state of Idaho um, decided to give pay for performance um, yeah. bonuses, right? That was, anyway, and every school, every grade school in Pocatello 
got them except our school. Oh my goodness. Everyone qualified for them Every, except your school? Mm -hmm. And we're talking, some of the teachers got a $4,000 bonus. That is huge. Mm. huge. The, the lowest one I believe was 800. Every other teacher in the school district. Except for your school. Except for our school and, and the that? alternate school. Because their the grades sure weren't as high. Well, because you're working with well, what, what ended up happening, what happens in schools with high poverty is they're very transient. Mm -hmm. So what they did is they tested kids in fourth grade, and then they gave that same test to those same kids a year later in fifth grade. Mm -hmm. Well, most schools, you know, they'll have 90% of the same kids. We had less than 60% of the same wow. kids that could even take the test. Yeah. Do you so know it what was I mean? testing yeah. a different bunch of kids that hadn't been right. through the process. Exactly. Wow. And, you know, and our teachers, like, we worked so hard because of that. You mm -hmm. know, we know these kids are going to be homeless half the year and they're hungry and they're, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so anyway. explain this hierarchy to us that you right. started so, bringing up. So that, I was just going to explain the, the way that I named the book. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So my friends, my family, my sister cousins were like, why do you stay at such a hard school? Yeah. And I did. I really thought about that. Why do I stay? It's, you know, it's really mm -hmm. hard. And the thing that kept coming to my mind was the, the guy walking on the beach with all the starfish and throwing the starfish back into the ocean. Mm -hmm. And then somebody saying to them, why do you do that? There are thousands of starfish. You can't possibly make a difference. And then, but I make a difference to this starfish. <laughs> and that was my whole thing. I'm like, mm -hmm. I, I know how hard this job is. I get it. But I make a difference to this starfish. And so that's why I stayed at that school because I knew that those families. And anyway, so Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So the first level is just basic human needs, food, shelter, <coughs> water, you know, a home, et cetera, et cetera. Then above that is safety. Okay. And what the goal is, is to have people go through all of the steps to come to self-actualization. So it's a pyramid. And that is when they realize I am valuable. I can learn and I can care about others. It is where it's where the prime level of becoming a, a responsible adult, essentially. Okay. So, so ultimately, all of the different levels of this hierarchy have to be met before someone can exactly. focus on any, basically focus on anyone other than themselves. Exactly. That, okay. And they have to go in order. Okay. You know, so once their basic, basic needs are met, then they have to realize safety. They have to realize that I'm going to be able to go to my dad Steve's house and I'm going to be safe there. Yeah. Everything's going to be okay. He surrounds me with safe people. Okay. Yeah. And the same with you guys. You your kids know when they're here they're safe. Yeah. And they're surrounded by a support system. They have grandparents that if something's happening here and they're they're not okay here then grandparents are going to come in. Right. Who can okay, children of poverty don't, don't have, have this. Do you know what I mean? And so then it makes it really hard to teach them if they don't feel safe. So we would work a lot on that. Then the other one that I saw in my teaching career that really, really made the difference is the love belonging stage. Which is the third one. Which is the th third step. And that is when 
not only are you safe at my house, I want you to be here. I want you to be a part of my life. I want to be a part of your life. And that's what you guys, in my opinion, have done masterfully with your children. That is what I saw as a teacher that especially when children would go through divorces, yeah, that devastated them because they did not know where they belonged anymore. They know their dad loves them. Yeah. They know their mom loves them, but they the mom and dad are going through so much stuff. Where do they belong? Yeah. Their lives are blown up, you know? So we as teachers work really hard to make sure, okay, at school, you're safe, you belong here. This is your room. This is your friends, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. When they feel that way, then I can teach them to read. I can teach them to multiply and, you know, social studies and all the other things. If they don't feel that, if they don't feel like they belong there, that they're safe there, it does not matter how great of teachers we are. We just can't do it. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And then when they know that, then they believe it too. And they go to the next, the next level, which is esteem. I know that I now can write a sentence. I know, I know, I believe it in myself. Yeah. You know, and then the last one is self-actualization that, you know, I can face the world. I'm healthy enough. I can face the world. Bring it on, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not going to shake them like all of the other steps will. I just want to repeat those. So first is physiological needs. Second, safety. Third, love and belonging. Fourth, esteem. And then at the very top of the pyramid, self-actualization. Yeah. And I saw a special the other day about this Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and they were talking about, you know, how there's been probably in you guys' lifetime a huge growth in gangs, you know, and what this documentary was saying is because that Belonging. is the level that with the breakdown of the family, yeah, the, the kids will find a place to belong. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so whether it's at church... Yeah. Or whether it's at the neighbor's house or whether, I mean, kids have to belong somewhere. How yeah. interesting. I had a conversation with someone in the last week or two who grew up in a small town in predominantly Mormon town that where she was talking about a, a family member of hers that was involved in drugs. And I don't know if there were gangs necessarily in that right. tiny little town, but... She said it was either, there was just such a huge divide be between you were either Mormon and you were mm -hmm. in that crowd or you were in the druggy crowd. And it was just one or the other because you either belonged with the Mormon group and was welcome in that crowd or you almost felt like you were exiled and therefore you went and joined the, the outcasts, um, right. and which were the druggies. So, and it just kind of stuck with me just thinking about what an interesting... But you know, everybody that there's no middle ground somewhere. there. But the, yeah, but they right. found a place to belong in one way or another. Well, that's one reason that I'm so impressed with you guys, because the what you guys have done with your children is exactly what you just described. Do you know what I mean? Where you have one that is more in a church setting and one that isn't so much. But she knows and your kids know that they belong no matter what 
other stuff you have. Does that make me the druggie, Melanie? No, 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 no. <laughs> well, I don't know. He knows. <laughs> He's teasing. I'm sorry. No, that, I didn't mean. No, but it totally. We know what you mean. Like no. we get, we get what you mean. Well. <laughs> there's just two different, very different situations that these kids have to live in, and that goes for our kid, mine, and. Steve's Penny, and that mm-hmm. also goes for Matt's kids. Like they just have a very different lifestyle, both homes. Right, right. And honestly, like I know we have done a good job of that with Penny, but and I worry so much that, and these are my own insecurities and vulnerabilities that I haven't done that for my stepkids. And while I know I have, like the, I know they know they have a place that's safe, and that when it comes down to it, they know they are loved and they are welcome here. But it's also hard because they've been told from the other side of things that I don't love them. And that, and so I think that's hard for them to figure out. And so I try to show them those things in different ways. But I feel like, you know, it's, it's hard to create that when you don't have support from both sides of things. And so I just, my heart goes out to these kids, not just mine, but I see it in so many kids that, you know, they struggle mm-hmm. with that and that, that it's so hard. And so it's. You know, for me, I'm trying, still trying to figure out how do I make sure Matt's kids feel loved and that they belong in our home. And sometimes that's just for me to kind of step back and, and let them just feel their dad's love and to recognize that they have this time with him and whatever and that I'm here to support in any way possible. But it's not necessarily me that's always that safe space for him. And I know with Sarah, Matt's daughter, that I I know she feels that more. But that's also because I'm a female <laughs> in the home. And you have a daughter. Yes, and I have a daughter, and and I talk to her about different things, and you know we can relate over growing up being a girl and and the different things she's going through right now and stuff like that. And it and it's harder with with my stepson for him to feel that connection. And I know that, but it's just my hope that they do feel that and that they know that. So, anyways. Know no. what? That they're loved and okay. that they belong in our home and that they always are welcome here, you know. And and I really try to focus on the things that I know I'm I'm good at. And, like, I've created, like, they have their bedrooms and those are theirs yeah. and, you know, those different things. And I try to connect with them on different things. But I always just, like, that's probably Feel one of inadequate. my biggest, yeah, my biggest insecurities at this time in my life or my, at this spot I feel, yeah, the most inadequate is in doing that. And I just hope... You kill it on their bedrooms, by the way. <laughs> Every house you guys have lived in within like that first week, I'm just like. That's you the most made, important like, thing for me when we move a in. A custom bedroom for all three of them that is like super cute and yeah. so perfect and individual to them. It's always important. And I know they feel safe too. Like I know that those right. those things are being met. I just hope that the other things come and like that they feel that and know that. Yeah, yeah. And you were gonna that say that they something. feel like there is that love and belonging. And and, and I do remember. I don't remember how many years ago it was that basically my two children were told, well, and even the school was told that Jessica's withholding food from their lunches. And, you know, Anne was trying to convince them that Jessica was doing this. And it it just, it was really hard for us to kind of get over that and know that, hey, we have to swallow our pride and just keep loving and keep keep letting them know that yes they do belong because that is a huge step in this whole process and it comes back to what you said this is about them 
Exactly. And not about me. And I know that. Like, I, there's times it's hard to see that, that it's not like a direct exactly. <laughs> attack on me. But there's this separation that's I'm getting better and better at making that, okay, this is not just me. This is universal. This is just how people are treated. People are, mm-hmm. And yeah. So. And these are other people's issues that they're reflecting on me. Exactly. And so, but it's just, okay, so how do I show up the best and that's the most effective for these kids? So I have worried sometimes about that third step as well, love and belonging, because Penny will sometimes refer to, she'll say, home or your house, referring to this, Matt and Jessica, your home as home, and referring to where Penny and I live as my house. <laughs> I've never That's called funny. her on it, I've and I certainly don't. It. I don't want That's her to feel self-conscious about it. But because I, I mean, it's, I, it's bothered me a little bit now and again that I'm just like, you know, I want it to. I, I, one thing that I've done, and because I've had these conversations with my kids, of hey, when you come home, mm-hmm. but I've made sure to try and correct myself of, hey, when you go home to your mom. Or when mm. you come home to dad and use that vocabulary at the same time. See, and even I've even realized myself saying, is it at mama's house or mine? When I should be saying, is it at your house at mom's or is it at our house? You know, like, right. <laughs> so even I'm guilty of that, of reestablishing that verbiage that this house is mine <laughs> and <laughs> not ours. So, And ultimately what I've recognized too is that this is my own pride that I'm trying to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, nothing and to, a kid yeah. is usually going to be very resilient to whatever words or vocabulary I'm using at this point. They just need to feel loved. Exactly. Well, and and I think they need to be communicated with too. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, That's yeah. Really I... And I know Penny is already sometimes or at least was for quite some time sensitive about making sure that she never hurt my feelings in any way. That's and she was huge. like very sensitive to, you know, particularly in I think we brought this up like when she talked about bonding with Matt, like she was super worried that it was, or if she had a really good time with her mom, she was worried that it was going to make me feel bad that like to express to me how much she loved doing something with the other half of the family that wasn't me. And I tried very much to make sure that show my support of that and that it makes me happy to hear which is a miracle, yes. by the way. That she's happy. Yeah. And I and think I, it's hard. So I don't ever want her to, you know, last thing I want to do is make her feel in, in, insecure about how she refers to either home. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to make her walk on pins and needles around, <laughs> around just, the topic. So, I just want to tell parents: just check your egos at the door. Yeah, yeah. you know. Oh let's yeah. Just, let's just work on your kid now. <laughs> it's just. Do you remember jumping back to clear back to the beginning of this episode, the parent-teacher conference stuff you brought up, Melly? Jessica, do you remember our last parent-teacher conference? It was the first one of this year. Yeah. With Penny's current teacher. You got there first and you guys had already started. And then I walked in and I don't know if you remember, but it was like immediate. Like she almost looked like she had fear in her eyes of like, <laughs> oh my gosh, the teacher, the teacher. The teacher. like oh my both gosh. parents are here and I already started with the one parent and now the dad is here and she just like tensed up. <sighs> and it's interesting because I had told her it was okay. And I, but I don't think she realized how well we got along. And, and that I think would that's, make you I tense. think that's why she was that worried because she was like, yes. we started already, but 
Jessica said it was okay if we got started and she'd catch you up, and she was like super worried that there was gonna be like. And we and put her like, at ease. Right. Yeah, quickly. just like, oh no, this is this is yeah, chill. Because you guys are amazing. But that the scary thing is, yet. is how often does that happen that yep. mom shows up or dad shows up and says, yeah, we can go ahead and start without her. Mm. And this teacher is put in the and, middle. And yeah. now this teacher is oh, put yes. in the middle, and now it's like. And clearly, the answer cause? is it happens often enough to Penny's teacher Have that fear. it yes. stressed her out to watch me walk in. Yes, the but. ideal situation is when all the parents show up at the same time. Yeah. And that's the one thing I always want to say to parents. So you guys got along well enough to make this child. Can't yep. we get along well enough to raise this child? Right. Yeah. So it's a very practical thing from the teacher's point of view. Yeah. You know what I mean? Leave your stuff out there. Yep. <laughs> also a shout out to teachers who right off the bat acknowledge and recognize there are two parents. I need to do two sets of report cards. I need to do Always. make sure both emails are on the list, make sure both phone numbers get invited to the field trips and the whatever. And yes. So speaking of field trips, like let's get into this. <laughs> so as a teacher, Melanie. Yes. Can there be too many parents at a field trip? For me, no. Okay. For some teachers, yes. In my opinion, it depends on the power the teacher wants to take. For me, I wish every well, I wish every parent would come on the field trip because I trust the parents with their children. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some teachers want you guys are listening to me. You yeah, know what the I mean? Control. So now, it, what if it's known that hey, these parents really don't get along, and shame? Yeah, because this is something that I've had to deal with, and I'm still continuing to deal with. Like Sorry. Sarah just went on a field trip today, up to Bogus Basin on a snow day. Cool. It, it, mm -hmm. it is cool. Super um, fun. And Anna and I don't really get along that well, right? And so, but. The second that there is a field trip, Ann will immediately sign up like, and not give me any opportunity to say, hey, this is on my week. I would love to go. Even though, what? Keep going. You're good. Even though I've kind of made it known like, hey, if it's on my week, I would love to take the first opportunity to go with my children on their field trips. And they've tried to like go together and it really just makes the kids uncomfortable. And so that's why Matt has kind of like stepped back and been like, okay, if her name's already on the list, I'm not going to sign up because it just makes the kids. Because I don't want to put them in the middle yeah. of feeling right. anxiety of, oh, how, Which parent do I how please? is the interaction Which parent, yeah. going mm -hmm. to be between my dad and my mom? And who do I need to latch on to? And, and just, I, I've just seen the uncomfortableness of my children when both of us are there. Do you want my suggestion yeah. to it? Okay, honestly, and this has actually happened to me, I kind of have a reputation in the school that I deal with a lot of divorced yeah. people, and people know how important it is to for me to have a relationship with the kids. So I've had a lot of parents that come in at the beginning of the year and just say, like, in your situation, this is our situation, et cetera. Don't ever put the other parent down, et cetera, et cetera. Will you have a dialogue? with Sarah about field trips and say, talk to her. Yeah. Sarah, what do you think? Do you want your dad? Do you want your, you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and put it in, give Sarah the power over it. Okay. And let her decide and then inform. 
Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And there's yeah. not a yeah. power struggle totally between the parents, but it enables the teacher to give Sarah the power. Yes. Got it. Does, does that make sense? Oh, yes. Yep. Which is what the teacher is going, always going to advocate for the child. For sure. If they know, okay, the situation is not ideal. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Exactly what you're saying. You guys are very sensitive to what Sarah feels. and But she has put it, you're right, a terrible situation. She didn't even have a chance to say, no. I'd really like my dad to go. We kind of bond over the skiing thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and, that, and that's the thing too, is that because Sarah did come up to me uh, three weeks ago and said, hey, dad, I'm going on the field trip to Bogus Basin. I really want you to come. And so immediately, like I go in and see, hey, who signed up and She's already signed up. She's already right. signed up. And it's like. Which and so then sense. I have to go back to Sarah and say, hey, your mom's right. already signed up. I'm not going to be able to make this. Right. And they understand that. The kids get it. They do. And that's that's cool. So I'm just saying if you went a step With the back, teacher. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I like Before that it was suggestion. even, you know, announced and something and just let, you know, and I don't know how much Sarah will be concerned. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to hurt their yeah. feelings. You know, that's a lot of pressure right but but i'm sure sarah's done that with that i'm sure she had that conversation with herself right yeah oh, oh yeah. i don't want to hurt mom's feelings by telling her i want dad to oh come for sure or, for sure and that's why matt just usually just steps back and says you know what you'll have a good time right. with your mom that's awesome she can go right but i'm saying at the beginning of the yes. year i the think that's such a good idea no uh-huh we're going on these field trips yeah okay you know what i mean and you have my permission teacher to discuss I with her, do you know what I mean? And then you just be, we'll just be proactive. Sarah can say, my mom, I want my mom to go on this one. I want my dad to go on this one, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Because if she's so bright yep. that she's going to be able to already figure it out. And it empowers the teacher to say, there you go. decision's already made. That's you awesome. Know? I love that. That would be my suggestion. Do you remember when we joked with Penny? That all the, three of us we were, were going to go. Gonna go on a field trip. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly think we need to do this sometime before no, she's out of elementary so school. No, it's so stressed her out. <laughs> but it, was, it only stressed her out because I think like lots of the kids don't have parents that come, mm-hmm. and so then to have three parents she's come just, show up. Oh, it was so funny though. We she weren't was really so going to do funny. it. But. We weren't. But yeah. well, and then do you remember when she uninvited me on a field trip? Yeah, and oh. invited like, my dad. She's like, "Hey, daddy, you remember that field trip you're going to go with me on?" <laughs> Sorry, I'm taking Gramps instead. <laughs> wow. But I, I, you know honestly, what? I was happy. <gasps> yes. I was thrilled that she has a Gramps to take on yes. field trips. And Did you ask her and, about that, though? Like, what's your thinking there? Uh, we had a, I don't know that it I... It would just be curious, don't you think? That's, that, that is my favorite question. I was just, I was glad that Penny felt comfortable enough to flat out say, say that, that and know that it wasn't going to hurt my feelings. And that's good. It would just be interesting to that's know. That's a good question to ask. You know, that's my always, I ask every kid. So what's your thinking? Mm-hmm. Tell me your thinking about that. That's a good question. It's my favorite question. Anyway, because it would be interesting just to hear what her reaction is. No, you know, don't put any value on, oh, they're, it's hurting my feelings. Right. Or something like that. Just tell me your thinking. That's really that, interesting. That said, I, and I didn't do that. That is a good idea, oh. a good question to ask. But that said, I know the answer was just Gramps had never been on a field trip with her. And he was available and she's always wanted to be going on a field trip. <laughs> and I was always going on the field trips because right. I love the field trips. <laughs> do you realize how lucky you are to have a Gramps that will no, take you on a, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. It is fun. Yep. It is. 
And that's like, Steve and I have actually gone on one or two field trips where both of us have gone because it was one we Did both we? thought was really fun. We Which went one? to the zoo. Don't you remember? No. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. We did. But usually we just communicate because we're able right. to. But I know there are a lot of situations yes. where they can't. And I just think something like that is so helpful for parents because that's not something I would have thought of. Of You know what? That is perfect. Yeah. Like right. have let the teacher know. They can have a discussion. And then just be proactive of, hey, I talked to your child. They suggested that maybe this parent can come. If you can't, then we'll invite right. the other one. But Just be really careful. That's the one thing that I, when I went through my divorce, my friend who's a counselor said, the number one thing you need to remember when you divorce and you have children is when you put that other parent down, you're putting down half that child. Yes. Yep. Okay? First of all, you chose who was that child's parent, and now you're putting down that person. Mm-hmm. What's the child supposed to do with that? Yeah, it's you know, hard. And it's re- it, it's a hard thing because adults are going through these really you know terrible things, but the child is devastated on yep. both sides. And so that's the thing I always, in my mind, I always ha- thought through that, okay, I'm not going to say anything negative about Doug because I chose him to be my children's parent. Yeah. And I want him, I want to work together yeah. to raise this child and not say, on or whatever, you know? So that's one thing. Is Doug good with having his name on podcast? I think so. Okay. I don't say anything negative about Doug to this day. Good. Well, and one of the things that we have said before that I think is applicable here is, you know, maybe you guys didn't work together as spouses, but that does not mean that they aren't a good parent. And so you have to remember that, that this is an important person, a hugely important person in this child's life. That you chose. Yes, that you chose (laughs) to have a kid with. And so now you need to remember that and look at it from that perspective. You need to give them grace. You need to let them make mistakes and hope that they let you make mistakes because we're all going to do it. And then, yeah. Exactly. Let go of your ego. That's what I would say to children who are in my class who would get so frustrated with their parents. And I would say, you know what? I'll bet they're doing the best they can do for what they know. Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, but the fact that they will come in and talk to me, especially if they know that it's okay with their parents. Yes. Is huge. Mm -hmm. Huge. Especially in the younger grades or especially in grade school. And the other thing that you do that I absolutely love, every single time I have, I find out that a child is going through any kind of a divorce, I always get them a journal, you know, and I tell the parents this, here's our deal. This is their journal. Now they have permission. I need you guys to know. I need you guys to know. They have permission not to show you this journal. Yeah. Okay. They do not have to, they need to draw pictures in it, et cetera, et cetera. I always put a little note with the parents. I make a deal with the parents. If they ever need me to check their grammar and their spelling, wink, wink, I will do that, okay? Yeah, if you're concerned about something. Exactly. So I was just going to say, so I had a little girl, oh gosh, probably about eight years ago, who was going through a horrible divorce, terrible, awful. And I knew this, and the parents were so angry at each other that they could not even talk to me about the other parent. Do you know what I mean? Without, And I am very much like, don't care yeah. that 
she cheated. I don't care about that. I care about your child. Mm -hmm. I will talk about your child. I will not talk about the other parent, et cetera, et cetera. Gave this little girl a journal and she drew pictures. I mean, she was amazing. She had a beautiful journal. And she talked to me because I'd written the book. She's like, I want to write a book. And so I'd be like, (laughs) great. Let me help you. Let me check your, you know, if you ever need me to read it, I won't read it, you know, because I'm not going to tell your parents or whatever, but I'm happy to read it and check your, you know, grammar, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she came to me in fifth grade and said, I need you to read this in fifth grade. So I started her in second grade. Wow. She kept it all the way through. And the other reason that I love to have that is because now she can go back and see, wow, that was really, really hard. And, you know, look what I've Mm -hmm. made it through. Yep. I can go back Mm -hmm. in my journal. But she brought it to me. She says, I need you to read this. And I read it. Did she tell you why? I discovered right. And I went right to the, I went right to the counselor. And I said, I told her, I'm not going to let her read it, but I'm going to tell her that you need help. Yeah. And I went there and she was being abused by her step. But but it just opened up a, where can I go? What can I, you know, I need help. And she'd written everything down, you know, and she knew that I would do something about it because her mom didn't believe her, et cetera. And that's, that's that safety thing, you know? So anyway. Well, in reading this book, Melanie, I was just so impressed with the true connection that you do make with these kids. It was very impressive. And I, I just hope, I guess I shouldn't say I just hope, but I know there are more teachers out there like you that are making such a difference in these children's life. And it's amazing to me. And I know Penny has had teachers that she just adores. Mm -hmm. And I've been so grateful for them and that they've shown up for her. And Penny doesn't necessarily need, you know, I mean, she needs a good teacher. But I know that those teachers have shown up even more for other kids in her class that really need it. And it was a great book. And I really enjoyed, I loved the stories and just reading your experiences. And um, we really recommend people to go read this. Anybody, I mean, anybody should go read this. Yeah, tell us where can they pick it up? Um, It's on Amazon. Okay. Um, Or you can come to Melanie Parrish Anderson. And I'm so technological. Yes. Is it is a website? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and we can link that in our show good, notes. We'll put that in there so that you can find it. But it is also on Amazon, so that's mm-hmm. good it to is. know. It is. So that's an lo- easy place for many people to get it. Who should read this book? Teachers? Parents? Yes. Anybody <laughs> that cares about kids. Okay. That's what my publisher, when my publisher did it, she's like, anybody that cares about kids should read this book. And the thing that I get a lot is, really? This is in Pocatello, Idaho. Mm-hmm. Did you guys feel that? Yeah. yeah. Sounds like it's I, everywhere. Chicago. Everywhere. That, I thought that several times while you were telling your stories. <laughs> but can I tell you, can I just tell you my favorite funny story in mm-hmm. there? Yes. Please. So I don't know if you guys realize how much teachers deal with germs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. people, kids are filled with germs. I think I remember this story. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And had a little girl that had pink eye. Oh, yep. Uh-huh. And she, of course, and I kept washing her hands. And I said, I love that you're at school today, but why are you should at you school? be at school today? <laughs> My mom's going to take me to the doctor, but she didn't have a babysitter for me. Aww. Anyway, so, and we washed her hands and washed her hands. And finally, at the end of the day, you know, I was trying really hard and she was miserable. And finally, at the end of the day, she came, she put her hands on my face. She, I love you, Miss Melanie. And I was like, 
like, oh, I love you, and I know you just infected me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so the next day, I had an oh. infection in my eyes. I had to, you know, and that's really contagious, so I had so to take contagious. a couple days off school. And the doctor told me, you can't wear any makeup. You can't wear makeup <laughs> because, and, and you've got to throw all your makeup away. Oh. Anyway, yeah. It, anyway, so I came back to school on Friday. So I'd taken three days off, which I hate because getting ready for a substitute, mm. the worst. Anyway, so I came back on Friday and this little boy, Tristan, adorable little chubby little, oh, I just love this kid. And I loved everything about him. And he was a light bulb kid. And he just came in and he just stared at me. Because you don't have your makeup on. Well, I just, and I kept saying, I'm so glad that you're here. It's so, And he just stared at me, wouldn't talk, just stared at me, <laughs> walked around the room. Just, I mean, and finally he just said, oh, Miss Melanie, I had no idea how important makeup is to your face. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I know, right? He's like, wow. It's like picture day. Picture day when your face has color. Anyway, so it was funny. so funny. And then on Monday, he came back and I could get new makeup. I didn't wear makeup. And he goes, there's the face we know and love. <laughs> oh, that's the other great thing about kids, man. Oh, they yeah. say the funniest Never stuff. Never know what's going to come out of their mouths. Yep. And yes. that's why all these years, 25 years, I would just write down the stories. That's why when I decided to write this book, I'm like, I already have them. I already have the stories. I you told know? Penny she needs to go in and read these stories. I just think she would mm -hmm. so connect to that, all the emotions of, yes. of I what do. it was. I have heard that a lot from a lot of kids, especially like pre-teenagers, pre-teens, uh -huh. that parents will say, read the story and then let's talk about it. Yeah. Read the story and let's talk about it. Because some of them, it's a really great way to build empathy yes. in your children. Yeah. For your kids to realize, I've got it great. Your kids yes. have it great. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of kids really they don't. don't. Yeah. <laughs> they are not. And that's what's funny about this. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Usually within the first month or so of school, I can tell where those kids are. Oh, for sure. And what they need. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, you said this before we started recording. You can generally, you said you just have the ability to kind of pinpoint whether or not, like what levels of this hierarchy mm -hmm. a kid. I can't, and that's. And what I, needs are met and which ones aren't. Exactly. And I can usually tell by their learning. Yeah. You know, their ability to learn. And so, and this is what I think most most teachers hopefully try to do is they try to get to know and understand the child mm -hmm. and figure out what is going to be successful to get you to learn. And if their basic needs are not being met, then the teacher will make sure that somebody will step in and help yeah. with those with those needs. Does that make sense? That's why I think teachers are such good advocates for kids. Wow. Oh, for sure. Wow. Another set of eyes on the situation. Sorry, I interrupted. Well, I was just going to say it just makes sense that if their mind is so preoccupied with Everything what are they going to exactly. eat tonight? Are they going to have dinner tonight? Are yep. they going to be out on the street? If that's where their mind is, how is their exactly. mind going to be available for learning? Is someone even going to pick me up from school? Where right. am I going yeah. tonight? I don't know. If Let's they're stressed see. about, are they going to the, mm -hmm. some place that isn't safe or whatever? Exactly. And I wanted to tell you one really other quick thing that might be a great way, grown-up problems. So when I had kids come into my classroom, and their last year had perfect example. Her dad hit the next door neighbor and broke his nose. So dad is going to jail. Well, mom Aww. lives in American Falls and doesn't really have time for her. So the person that takes care of her is stepmom. Well, stepmom is, 
And anyway, so she would come in and she'd just be all stressed, stressed, stressed every day. So I would have her come in and I'd say, okay, we're going to make a list here of the things that you're worried about. So we would make, okay, dad is probably going to have to go to jail. Is there anything that you can do about that? I know you feel bad. I know it's a really tough situation, but can you do anything about that? No. Okay, so we're going to put no. Anyway, we write the whole things down. Okay, look at all these grown-up problems. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything about any of them. So we're going to fold them up, and we're going to put them in this really cute little bag that I had, and we're going to go set them outside the door. They're just right there. If you want to go get them later when you leave, <gasps> you can pick up those grown-up problems. Now, let's come back in, and we're going to say, and let's make a list of the things you can control. Yeah. Okay. Can you read with the teacher? Can you be nice to your friends? Can you choose your lunch? Can you go to recess? Can you, you know what I mean? These are the things that you can control. Let's put those in your pocket. Yeah. You know, the whole, the I difference. Feel like I in, should do that. You should do that. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Sort out the grown up problems that I can do something about <laughs> exactly. and that I can't. <laughs> See, do you want me to help you with this? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I need a big bag. A big bag. <laughs> a big pocket. Well, it's so powerful. See, that's one of the things that you might be able to build with your stepkids. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Let's talk about the things at our house Mm -hmm. that you can control. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Right. And the stuff you can't control, let's just put them in this bag and let's set them right outside the door. You can take them back when you go to your mom's or whatever. Wherever. Do you know what I mean? But here, you get to choose all of these things. Your choice, your power. That's where you... That's where you are. And that worked cool amazingly well. And some, I mean, there were years that I would have a whole bunch of little bags outside of my room. <laughs> <laughs> you know like, what, I mean? what is going on? But the kids would say that. The kids would say, you know, when somebody would say, well, what are those bags? Those are the grown-up problems we don't have any power over. That's well, awesome. We just do power it stuff in here, you know. That's cool. Anyway, and that's one thing that I saw help a lot with step, yeah. with step things and new people coming in and stuff. Anyway. So that might be a fun suggestion. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Husband-in-Law. All right, now we have a challenge for you. We challenge you to go give someone a huge hug or send a simple gratitude note who needs to receive it specifically from you. If you've enjoyed this episode and you haven't subscribed yet, please be sure to do so now. Also, don't forget to give us a review. We read every single one of them. Until next time, keep striving to make your relationship the best it can possibly be.